Hey, Phantomaniacs, you all know that Mike Gordon is one of the best people on the planet. Well, unfortunately, a few months ago, his homeowner's insurance company informed him that he needed to make some repairs or else they were going to drop his coverage. This is very serious because if he loses his homeowner's insurance, he will most likely lose his house. He's tried to take care of everything. He's hired contractors and landscapers to fix the interior and exterior issues, but they just discovered the damage to the chimney is so extensive they're going to have to have it replaced. The whole freaking chimney, people! The best estimate to repair their chimney is $3,000. And as we all know, uh, $3,000 may as well be $3 million, depending on, you know, what kind of circumstances you're in. And Mike writes comic books, so come on, people. The insurance company has offered an extension until the end of April to finish the repairs, but that is not near enough time for them to gather the funds needed. Uh, obviously, we don't want Mike to lose his house. Mike works really hard, and that was a little humor on my part about him writing comics. He, just like the rest of us, has a day job that he has to go to to support the dreams that he's actually pursuing. So, we don't want Mike Gordon to lose his house, because that would be ridiculous. What I need you guys to do, and the reason I am putting this in at the top of the show, something I've never done before, is because we love Mike and we need to help Mike out. Uh, I don't do a lot of this GoFundMe kind of stuff, but this one is important, people. If you love the Needless Things podcast, then please uh, go to GoFundMe.com slash Help Mike Michelle save our house. Or if you just go to GoFundMe and look for Mike and Michelle house, uh, you'll be able to find it there. Or you can go to the Needless Things podcast Facebook group and look at the pinned post. And it has a link that will take you directly to the GoFundMe to help Mike Gordon save his house. We've got to get this chimney built. We've got to get this taken care of because Mike Gordon is one of the most wonderful people I've ever met. He's a constant guest on the show and uh, just all-around great guy. So please spread the word. Do what you can. Go to GoFundMe.com slash help Mike Michelle save our house and do something, people. Thank you. Phantomaniacs, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Phantom Troublemaker, and boy, oh boy, have I had my bacon saved by today's guest, the lovely and wonderful Mr. Mike Gordon of New Legend Productions and the ESO Network. You know him, you love him, and so do I, because... We had a live group recording in the Phantom Zone this past Sunday night, and there were some technical difficulties that led to that being unusable. Uh, we will re-record the contents of that episode at some point in the future in a live setting. But for now, 
just like Superman, Mike Gordon has swooped in to uh, carry me away from the flames of failure and into the skies of success. And, and as we fly together through this podcasting landscape, I wonder, can he read my thoughts? Does he know what color underwear I'm wearing? Uh, but anyway, seriously, Mike Gordon, uh, wonderful. Thank you so much for coming in and making the save and giving us what turned out to be a fantastic episode of the Needless Things podcast. What we decided to do uh, in this sort of last-minute scenario is do uh, sort of a News Bites episode with just uh, random topics that we would run through bullet point style and share our thoughts on. Uh, we talked about free comic book day. We talked about streaming services, DC's rebirth, social media, uh, lots of different things. Uh, we open up with discussion of the new mummy trailer from universal's not monster verse. And it was just a great conversation that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. Uh, we talked as long as we felt like talking, so I am going to keep this introduction brief because there's lots of episode to get to and because it's 1 o'clock in the morning and I've been up since 3.30 in the morning and I'm ready to get this thing in the can and posted to the exclusive link that you will see early each and every week if you are part of supportphantom.com. That's right. If you go to supportphantom.com, you will notice that the Needless Things podcast gets posted there before it goes live on needlessthingssite.com each and every week. And I post that link to supportphantom.com as well as posting exclusive articles, movie reviews, podcast episodes, and various other things. So go to supportphantom.com and see what you're comfortable with. And if you don't want to do that, you can go to needlessthingssite.com, click on that big old Amazon box in the top right corner, and you don't have to buy any of those products. All you have to do is go to Amazon through there, buy your stuff, and Needless Things gets a kickback. It doesn't cost you any extra, and it is a great way to support the podcast, the website, and all of the stuff that I do as Phantom Troublemaker to entertain you, the Phantomaniacs. And if you can't do either of those things, please just spread the word. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're all over the place. So share those links. Tell your friends about us, especially your rich friends that feel like they need to be supporting an interesting and unique podcasting effort. All right. I think that's about all I've got. It's a late night. There's plenty of fun stuff to discuss with Mr. Mike Gordon. So we are going to get right to it. Enjoy. You can't run. You can't escape. Got plans for you. If you're ready, let's kick off with that. Do you want to kick off with that? Sure. Okay, so what we have done is myself and this evening's guest, the fabulous and wonderful Mike Gordon. How are you doing? Howdy. Oh, I talked. I stepped on your howdy. Damn it. Uh, uh, you know, it happens. 
Uh, my howdy is so big it gets stepped on occasionally. <laughs> you need a shirt that says that. Uh, so we're getting together and we're going to do sort of a uh, news blast slash hot takes. I think hot takes is a, the word the kids use for, for stuff. Uh, episode. we're all about the kids. We are all about the kids, just like Wu-Tang. Uh, Needless Things podcast is for the children. Uh, we, we've got a, a list of bullet points, and we're going to run down however many we can get through in the next hour or so. And I wanted to start with the new trailer, the second trailer that has been released uh, for The Mummy. Because for me personally... The first trailer I thought was the drizzling shits. I had no interest in it whatsoever. Uh, and, and I do acknowledge that Tom Cruise almost always ends up being great. But that trailer, I just hated everything about it. Uh, to me, it, it looked dour and uninteresting and didn't have any life. And was, uh, oh look, it's more Tom Cruise doing his Mission Impossible shit. Uh, except now there's a sexy mummy. I, I hated it. I really did. And then I saw the second trailer and I, I've got to say for me personally, uh, I have a different opinion now. Now, Mike, you prior to five minutes ago had not seen the second trailer. What were your thoughts on the first trailer? I, much like yours, um, the, the mummy, franchise has very uh been very inconsistent over i don't know the decades right sure um uh and certainly uh i did i've enjoyed it in various incarnations i like the you know the the 30s and 40s stuff um i liked uh uh the 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 ones that they came out with in the what 2000s or whatever steven summers yeah with brandon fraser and all that it got kind of out of hand because it kind of you know, started the whole Scorpion King stuff and all that, and it just got crazy. But and I think it kind of lost its way. And at that point, they decided. I mean, it, it it's um they're monster movies, but they're they're there's always something else going on. Even from the early ones, there's always it's not simply you know a monster tale. There's either you know this sort of love story or right action right. adventure or something like that. They sort of also. They kind of cross over a little bit. And, um, so yeah, I didn't, it looked like they were going to go with, by that first trailer, it looked like it's going to be an action movie and it's going to be more like, you know, Mission Impossible action rather than adventure, which I prefer. Yes. Yes. But this trailer has an entirely different tone. Uh, the first thing that grabbed me was the use of the Rolling Stones' Paint It Black, which is my favorite Stones song, and which it's been a long... It's not one of those overused songs currently. It's been a long time since anything has used that one, I believe, and this was a very cool arrangement of the song. But beyond that, this trailer was just full of awesomeness. It's It's very cool. I mean, there's a lot of, like... There's certainly a lot more like, ooh, this is about Egyptian stuff. Like, whereas yeah. you don't get that from the first trailer. The first trailer, you're like, oh, there's Tom Cruise rattling around a, a plane, you know, and that kind of <laughs> right. thing. And then there's a real quick, oh, yeah, and then some Egypt stuff um, at the end. Like, um, whereas this one is like, let's start off with Egypt and, and, and also introduce 
hey, people, there's some horror elements in here. Yes. Uh, this one really struck me as more of a, oh, this is a, this is not just an action movie, but it's an action horror movie. Yeah, the, uh, the use of like the rats and the spiders and, uh, the, the yes. giant, the giant, uh, head statues buried under the sand. Like you said, the, the lots more Egyptian touchstones in this one. Uh, and, and just in general, you know, it, it wasn't playing it for yucks, but it did feel more fun than the last one. Uh, but at the same time had the horror elements that I felt were completely missing. And I like the fact that Tom Cruise is, you know, rather than being, cause in the first one we had no sense of his character. Uh, but in this one, it looks like his hubris is kind of what unleashes this. Cause it, it, it seems to me that he comes across whatever this is and kind of has some people with him that are like, Hey, maybe we shouldn't touch these things. And he's like, Nope, let's bring this sarcophagus back to the world. Uh, and, and also that he's sort of the Renfield to this mummy. Yeah. But there also does seem to be like, Oh, this, like, you know, there's constantly we're told like, she's after you, she's after you, she's after you. And it's like, okay. Tom, like, all right, we know you're, we, we know you're a sexy guy, but, you know, so, um, uh, you know, it's like, oh, I'm the reason that the mummy's back and that the mummy wants me and, and I can't die and, you know, all this sort of thing. So yeah. it's, it's, uh, you know, a little bit like, oh, it's, it's, it's really all about me. You know, the mummy, it's, it's called the mummy, but it's really all about me. Well, to, you know, we'll see. That remains to be seen because at this point, I'm sure they're still doubling down on starring Tom Cruise because they need to get, uh, you know, they need to get that message across because this is the first of potentially many, many movies set in a, in the ever popular shared universe. So they, they want to come out hot. And I mean, honestly, whatever you think of the guy, like I said, he, he pretty much always delivers. So, for right now, the ooh, look at Tom Cruise's new thing. I, I get putting that on it. It makes sense to me. What what I'm still not sure does make sense to me is sexy mummy. How do you feel about sexy mummy? Well, I you know I, I don't know. We'll see. I, you know I that was a loaded a, well. Yeah, I know. It's like we'll see. You know. Yeah, yeah, and well, and that's what it is. It's like everything looks very cool. Uh, but I don't know, man, Boris Karloff, that was pretty sexy. Well, you're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> I, I loved, I, I, this, this one did it for me. Like, I'm not going to say I'm as excited about this as I am for like guardians of the galaxy two or anything, but I, this trailer I watched and I thought that looks awesome. I want to see it in the theater as opposed to the first trailer where I thought, I don't care if I ever see this movie at all. Yeah, I just, it, you know, to me, though, the, when I look at the trailer, I can't help but think, and, and you know, I'm usually not a cynical guy, but um, I, I, I'm looking at it going, well, they're reinventing it, which is cool. I, I get that. Um, and But it looks like somebody sat in the, in the, and sold the studio. It's like, it's going to be Mission Impossible meets The Ring, you know, like. But like that's, that's how you have to sell everything now. 
I know, but it, that doesn't mean it has to be that. Well, and, but so it may, I, not, I, it may it. not be that though. Right. I'm, I'm hoping for good things. And like you said, this is, they've tried to kick off the Universal Monster movies uh, a few times. Let's you know? not, let's not discuss Dracula Untold or whatever. <laughs> I, I actually like Dracula Did Untold. Did you? Um, yeah. Um, oh, I didn't. Um, but, uh, I think, was that the first one? It was, there was, it was whatever came out a few years ago with, uh, what was it Luke Evans' as Dracula? Yeah, yeah. Right? I actually dug that. I did um, not care for it. Um, I mean, I didn't love it. Right, but right. Actually, it was, by the time I got around, I didn't see it in the theater, but by the time I did get to, get to see it, it was kind of like, oh, this is actually better than I thought you, it was going to You be. didn't think to yourself, wow, I sure hope they base a whole cinematic universe around this. Well, I will say at the very end, I was curious as to where they were heading with it. Um, so it did, it did intrigue me to that extent. But okay, okay. regardless, like that was ditched. And, you know, other times they've tried to do it and it's, you know, not been successful. And in fact, I dare say like the last time I was in the late nineties, right? When they, they tried to redo all the universal horror movies. Right. I do think that the mummy franchise was actually the most successful out of the lot. So. I mean, that's the one that they had multiple sequels to, had its own spinoff. I mean, it, it was huge. So, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a, and you wouldn't think that normally because the mummy isn't one of the first, like, it certainly probably is only like, you know, it's probably fourth or fifth down your list as far as when you name the universal monsters. Well, and, and it's interesting. I, I would love to know the process that led to, because you know, that, that Dracula was, Sort of supposed to be the first one of this yes. new, uh, monster. Well, they can't call it the monster verse because that's King Kong and Godzilla. <laughs> they already traded Mark over yeah. at Legendary and Universal's gonna yeah. be kicking themselves for not copywriting that. It's like, why didn't we copyright that like 50 <laughs> years ago? <laughs> right, right. Uh, but I would be interested to know the process that led to this mummy, uh, being the new starting point. And, uh, you know, undoubtedly the success of the Stephen Summers, uh, Brendan Fraser mummy movies is part of what led to that. So, I, personally, uh, as far as the new mummy trailer goes, if the listeners, if you haven't watched it yet, I highly recommend you check it out. I think it looks like a lot of fun. And now it is a we'll see it in the theater movie as opposed to a won't watch it at all movie. Or uh, what page are you on with that, Mike? Um, I'll see it in the theater as well. I, I think, um, you know, it, when, yeah, I'll see it in the theater. And as sort of a side note to that, it was announced that we now have a script writer for Creature from the Black Lagoon, which is my, and many people's, I, I realize I'm not exactly original in, in the creature being my favorite universal monster, but, uh, this is a movie that essentially has been up for reboot since I was born. <laughs> like people have been working on it since then, but now they have a writer that they've chosen and, uh, his name is Will Beal, who also wrote, uh, a bunch of crap, honestly. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I, I can't say I'm excited over the announcement that, that he's the guy, but the fact that they have signed a writer means that, that they have gotten slightly more serious about it, uh, and it is moving in. And at this point, I, I don't know what state, 
you know, this this new gosh, we need something to call it beside MonsterVerse, but uh you the, the new Universal Monsters shared universe uh is sort of in flux. They haven't done the insane thing that DC keeps doing and announcing a new slate of twenty films every few months. <laughs> but uh you know, I'd, I'd love to see a new creature movie. I think there's all kinds of potential to take kind of the core concept of Creature from the Black Lagoon and expand on it greatly. Uh, and especially now that I've seen this second Mummy trailer, I can kind of see where it would be interesting. You know, you have this kingdom that the the Mummy sort of comes from, this world of, of, of Egyptian-oriented stuff. And I think you could potentially have a, a world that this creature is from because they never really explored the origins of the creature at all. And I'm not saying it's necessary that they do, but I can see where if, if they're smart, they could pick and choose from things that DC comics have done with these, with uh, analogs for these characters uh, and Marvel, you know, lots and lots of different companies have had their own versions of these classic characters. And I think Universal could sort of take different aspects of them. Like, I would, I, I'm still, and it'll never happen, I'm still hoping to see DC Comics Frankenstein in a movie someday. Mm. I, that, to me, would be something you could base uh, a, a movie universe around. But, well, know. I mean, we. I think the closest we'll get is he may appear on some sort of DC animated thing at some point. Yeah, I, I've you know, like if they do another Justice League Dark, which I imagine they will because that one was, did very very well. Uh, you know, I could see him showing up for that, and that that would be great. I would love to see that. But uh, DC's Frankenstein is is fantastic. All right, so uh, not a lot to discuss about the creature from the Black Lagoon. It's just interesting that that seems to be the one that they've made a little more progress on than the others. Do you have any any thoughts about that or any ideas for how the creature could work now? Uh, um, I haven't really given that one much thought um, because it's just been like sort of he's the creature's been the I think one of the reasons why he's so beloved is because he's been the least exploited of all the universe monsters. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there hasn't been a reason to like you know there isn't like you know fifty years of like man those are really bad movies right like, right re- those reboots were horrible. Um, so, uh, and I've only actually seen the first one. I think there's three yeah. back, back then, but that, that were done back then, but I, I've only seen the first one. So, um, I liked it. And, you know, obviously the, the to me, the, the whole thing about the creature is the look. And if they, like the script is, is of course, uh, the first thing that they need to get right. But the second thing I think just is mo- which is much more important or as important is the look of the creature and don't try to complicate it just simplify it and and keep what is cool looking about the creature intact yeah like don't try to you know i find that a lot of monsters these days cg are they like they feel like they can do anything and they overcomplicate their creatures well and and also a lot of the cg based creatures come up come across as very generic like they they don't they don't have the the craftsmanship i guess of practical suits and makeup and whatever. And they all kind of have that, oh, look, it has a big mouth full of fangs and it moves like a cat. And, uh, like, 
it, it doesn't need that. It needs to be a suit. But if they want to enhance it with CG, then that's fine. But I don't want to see the creature looking like the Ninja Turtles from the current Ninja Turtles movies. Right, right. I, I want I want to see here. Here is my ideal: uh, is a combination of practical suits, puppetry, and CGI. Like the uh, the nineteen ninety Ninja Turtles movie, I think is a high point in in creatures that are guys in suits. And I think if you get a combination of those three things, you know, because those turtle suits are still some of the best creatures I've ever seen in my life. And in modern day, all you would have to do is have those suits with some CGI to cover up some of the the weaknesses of those practical suits. I think you'd have perfection. It's possible. I, you know, I don't know what the answer is. And I mean, I'm not saying it can't look cool CG, but, um, cause there are some th- stuff that is, but I, I like, I just don't want to see, like, I would be worried. I well, I don't know now that I think about it, it might be intriguing, but you know, if, if Guillermo de Toro decided to do a creature from the Black Lagoon movie, on the one hand, I'd be excited, but on the other hand, I'd be like, man, the creature's going to look so overly complicated right um, right and that, it's, uh, it's going to take the fun out of it and and for fuck's sake we don't need scenes of the creature like running up walls and on the ceiling and shit well yeah because that I, is all i picture in my head now yeah yeah i think you will see you know obviously underwater sequences and and his ability underwater will be um quite enhanced and that that could be really cool. Well, and that's fine because I, I think the creature need when the creature is underwater, I think it needs to move in a way that humans cannot move. Yes. And yes. that is the sort of CGI enhancement that is perfectly fine, but it has to look great. And and I think it will. I mean, clearly <laughs> Universal is gonna invest the money for it to look good. All right, are you ready to move on? Absolutely. Let's move on to bullet point number two, and that is uh, something that is a particular favorite of yours. Free comic book day right around the corner. Are you ready to put over free comic book day, Mike Gordon? I'm always ready to put over anything <laughs> to do with comics, man. Uh, I love comics, and and free comic day is our is our big you know holiday of the year. Um, uh, I love going to make uh, store appearances, and I will be at uh, the Galactic Quest in Buford on Saturday. Uh, for that, uh, I love the crowds coming out, people excited about getting comics. What I love about it is, I mean, there's a lot of people that show up just to get the freebies and who knows what they, you know, if it makes an impression. But the fact that, you know, that they're excited about getting them uh, and they're, they come all that way to do it is cool. But then, you know, the shops that participate, you know, they, they go and they get, uh, artists and, and other creators to participate. So people get to, to chat with them and find out a little bit more about what it takes to make comics, which is pretty cool. And a lot of times, I mean, the lines to the stores are pretty long and the, the stores do really well. So they're, they're actually, you know, when you come and get free comics, it'd be nice if they bought something too, you know, to help support the stores. So, um, I, it's a, it's a great event and, uh, I'm happy to be part of it. Yeah. It's this year, uh, free comic book day is on Saturday, May 6th. So, uh, after you have shaken off your hangover from watching the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show show at Hulanta at 9 p.m., you can get up, go to your local comic book shop, and uh, if you want to know everything that's going to be available, you can go to freecomicbookday.com, and they have a full list of not only the top-tier titles, 
but uh, all the sort of supporting stuff that's available as well. And like Mike said, uh, you know, go in there, pick up the free comics, because typically at this point, the big publishers will put out a thing that, that is intended to promote whatever they have coming up. But uh, pick up your free comics, but also pick up some other stuff. You know, typically uh, stores will be having sales like 50% off back issues or that kind of thing. So go in and buy some comics, but also, get, you know, get your free comics too. But show up early because that stuff goes fast. I, I think it's difficult for the retailers to know how much of what to order this year. I'm not sure what's going to be hot this year because, and this is something we may get to in our next bullet point, uh, Marvel and DC are in very different places in my opinion. And it's going to be interesting to see what moves as far as the free comic books go. What, what do you, uh, Mike, in, in general on free comic book day, do you try to pick up what the big publishers do or are you looking for more small press stuff or, or what? What's your? Or are you just sitting there uh, signing thousands of copies of Tiki Zombie? <laughs> um, I would love to be uh, doing the third thing, um, but uh, <laughs> um, uh, as it is, um, uh, I, 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 in addition to being, you know, a, as small as I am, an ambassador of. Uh, the industry uh, on the day. Um, I also really am a fan too, so I like seeing what's coming out. And uh, some of the some of the small publishers, this is a chance to try out something that uh, you know you've either heard about or uh, you've always wondered about, but didn't want to spend the money on. So that's pretty cool. The big publishers, you know, sometimes they they put out some interesting things, and sometimes they don't. So um, uh, this year, I'm I'm pretty excited because. Um, there's some secret Spider-Man book that's coming that Marvel seems to be pretty hush-hush about. And as a Spider-Man guy, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm intrigued by Oh, this. really? I don't know about this. Well, it's a secret. Yeah. Why would I know about it? Well, I mean, I think it just says, I think the solicitation so far have just been, you know, like, like you know, secret Spider-Man book or Spider-Man book really? and no, yeah, TBA or something like that. Like they, I, I, at least last I heard. Now maybe they've made some announcement that I haven't been aware of. But well, they um, announced they announced. Uh, Ch- oh gosh, I'm going to have to pronounce something that I've only ever read. Chip Zdarsky's uh, right. new Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man is is that correct? Peter Parker Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man is that it? Yeah, it's um yes. Spectacular? Is it spectacular? Peter Parker, spectacular? Well, whatever it is, it's Chip Zdarsky writing Spider-Man, which yes. he, he has said for quite some time now, his whole reason for writing Spider-Man into his excellent Howard the Duck series, uh, which by the way, for the listeners, if you have not read, uh, the most recent Howard the Duck from Chip Zdarsky and Joe Quinones, I believe, uh, you should because it's wonderful. But, uh, Spider-Man plays, uh, a sizable role in certain issues. And he said his whole reason for that was hoping that Marvel would give him a Spider-Man comic. And my only Ooh. concern though, if you go to needlessthingsite.com and check out the current, uh, previews preview, I really need to come up with a better title for that. Uh, the first issue is solicited but it's described as a companion to the current Amazing Spider-Man book, and I don't particularly care for that description because I don't particularly care for the current Amazing Spider-Man book. 
Are you reading that book? How do you feel about that? I am reading that book, um, and uh, I, I think it's written well, but it's not my Spider-Man. Right. So it is kind of a weird feeling. Uh, I I do miss uh, the the one that you know I, I like, but um, actually I just uh, looked online and. It's not a secret anymore. Uh, the uh, it is the uh, Peter Parker Spectacular Spider-Man will be um, the uh, free. Oh, um, okay, okay. So, so that is the one. And well, and honestly, I sort of feel like calling it a companion to to Dan Slott's Amazing Spider-Man is lip service because it, it's possible that a that a chip Spider-Man is sort of a tough sell. To the general public, I, I think, you know, amongst his fans, they're going to buy anything he does. But I think with Spider-Man fans, they might sort of look at his name on it and think, well, what? <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't always have the best idea of what's going on uh, in the general comic book public's mind. But to me, Chip Zdarsky on Spider-Man may not be the most appealing thing in the world to everyone. But I love it. I'm stoked. I'm excited for it. I, I, I'm curious to read it. Um, so um, it sounds like uh, even though it is going to be in the same continuity that The Amazing Spider-Man is, uh, it's it's shifting or its focus is, you know, Spider-Man in New York City, supporting cast, right. kind of like the, the book that I grew up reading. So uh, I'm, I'm really hoping that that's the case and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So, and, and, uh, one final note here. How do you feel about my pronunciation of Chip Zdarsky? It's as good as anybody's. <laughs> Excellent. That's, 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 I have never heard his name pronounced uh, out loud either. So sure. We'll go with that. That's all the validation I needed. Okay. So free comic book day, Saturday, May the 6th, uh, check your local comic book shop. You know, some places, pretty much everybody will have free comics for you. I uh, recommend you go in and get those and also buy some stuff. And some places will actually have events going on. And, and Galactic uh, Galactic Quest is one of those that will always have some sort of interesting uh, event attached to Free Comic Book Day. Uh, and FreeComicBookDay.com for all the information. All right. Do you feel good about that bullet point? Absolutely. Then let's move on to the next bullet point, which is, uh, in my notes... All of these streaming services. <laughs> so this one was prompted by uh, somebody posted, if you want to follow L Phantasmus with a PH on Facebook, that is my Facebook page, and somebody posted on my page uh, news that a streaming service was going to have classic Doctor Who there were certain omissions due to rights problems or due to uh, actual missing episodes, which is a thing we discussed all the time on Earth Station Who. Uh, and, you know, I, my response was not excitement for this on, on two levels. One level, I thoroughly enjoy the Doctor Who DVDs. For me, not just with Doctor Who, but with any kind of movies or television that I take in, I love the special features, and this is why the digital movement has not taken hold with me yet, because I like to buy Blu-rays, I like to buy things that have commentaries and behind-the-scenes, 
and, you know, outtakes and whatever else. I love that stuff. I, man, I like looking at storyboards. So until digital download gets a hold of that stuff in the same way that Blu-ray does, I'm not interested. Plus, I like having just a physical copy of a thing in my hand. So the news that all this classic Doctor Who was going to appear on a streaming service just didn't excite me in the same way it did a lot of people. And I understand that that I, I am an old man and that the, the, the kids like their digital. But the other reason it didn't excite me is because I'm really wondering what the breaking point is for all of these streaming services that offer one product that is appealing and then a bunch of other crap. And, and, uh, Star Trek on CBS's streaming service is the first thing that comes to mind for me. Uh, just Mike, how do you feel about this proliferation of streaming services? It's the future. Oh, for sure. I'm not denying that at and, all. And, and sure, it's got some bumps ahead of it. I don't know what the future holds, but I think that for some people, um, it is going to be, um, you know, like a lot to take in because, uh, you know, if you, ha- the more diverse your tastes are, the more you're looking at, Ooh, I'm going to have to spend a lot of money here. Um, uh, I'm not as, 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 uh, I mean, I have tons and I think the problem is, is that I have tons and tons and tons of DVDs and, and, and CDs and whatnot. And I'm definitely, as I get older, um, see that uh, the appeal of having things digitally, you know? Sure. Um, uh, and I, I, I have a lot of, um, you know, cable or streaming services right now, and I'm very comfortable with them. I mean, I haven't bought too many DVDs in the last couple of years because I haven't needed to. I mean, if I want to watch uh, almost any movie right now, I mean, I can, I can, between most of the services that I have, I can usually find it. Or if I can't find it for free, uh, I can get it for like three bucks and watch it or whatever. Sure, and the, sure. the idea that I'm going to watch, you know, though I loved it, you know, when I was younger, way younger, uh, I watch movies over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, and I just don't do that anymore. I don't have the time, and I really don't yeah. have the interest to do it anymore. And yeah, as as we get older, that time yeah. becomes much more fleeting and much more precious. Absolutely, and I still, but it's funny because I still enjoy watching a lot of those movies that I watched over and over and over again. You know, so um, I like if I, you know, if I I got the Blu-ray to Raiders of the Lost Ark because then I, and as soon as I arrived in my house, I was like, it, I have to watch it. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's, so I get it. Um, I don't see the uh, the streaming services as one dimensional as you do. I mean, the, the one that has the doctor who the Brit box or whatever it's called, um, that has a lot of British television in it and British television and BBC television is hot right now. I enjoy it. Um, and you, so you have access to all sorts of British TV. My problem is that I was disappointed to learn that, you know, not, it says, you know, they've got all the, the classic who, but they don't yet. Uh, you know, you look and some of the stories aren't there yet. The the five doctors is not part of it yet. Um, I think like they that. said there were ninety episodes and twenty stories. Or, or you know, you, well, if if you know how Doctor Who works, you know what that means. Twenty yeah. stories and a total of ninety episodes that are absent for one reason or another. 
Right, right. And that's, that's, you know, it's significant. It's significant. Yes. And, uh, so unless they were going to, you know, because going out and trying to acquire them all, uh, you know, as a hard copy is, is just insane. Um, I, I, I've got quite a big classic Doctor Who collection. I've, I've got all the Tom Baker, which alone, you know, takes up a lot of room. Sure. Um, and, you know, it's crazy. And, uh, um, so 10 bucks a month, you can have access to all of it. Plus other British shows that that's, um, a oh, pretty good 10? deal. I thought it was seven. It's 10. Oh, it might be 10. I don't know. I didn't, I'm just saying like, Oh, okay. I got you. Uh, I don't, I don't know how I haven't looked at the pricing to be honest with you. So, um, I'm just going by the WWE's model. Um, <laughs> and, and because they're right there too. I mean, I don't, you know, regret being a, uh, having that service because sure, I think sure. it, it really, you know, pays for itself. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think, uh, those would too. The Star Trek one as well. It's not to, you're not, well, look, even if it was 50 years of Star Trek and you had everything that Star Trek like ever aired, um, and then some, that would be pretty cool because going out and buying that stuff would be expensive and all, and you can watch it whenever you want. That's pretty cool. Uh, you have access to watch any Star Trek episode that was ever made whenever you want. Um, well, and, but the thing for me, the thing is, what you said is exactly true. As long as you have the service, and right. that that's kind of where my issue comes in is, I want to know that I've got it in perpetuity. I I want to know that I have bought this thing and it can't be taken away from me. Like the the you know the classic Star Trek movies, the original cast movies are my sort of cornerstone of Trek. I own them on Blu-ray, and I want to have them forever and ever. And you know we we talked we've talked about this off the air, but I'm I'm rewatching the classic Trek episodes now, the television show, and. You know, they're on Netflix and it's great and I'm watching them and there's some that I've already watched a couple of times, but if Netflix loses that license or if I decide that for some insane reason I don't want Netflix anymore, I no longer have access to those episodes when I want to watch them. Right. And that to me is part of the issue with the streaming services is I, I want more of a, if I'm paying money for something, I want more of a feeling of ownership. And that's probably more of a generational thing. Like anybody under the age of, of 35 or 30 or whatever now probably isn't going to care about that like I am because they've been raised in a different technological world than I have. But for me to put down my hard-earned money, I need more permanence than what these streaming services are offering in in many cases. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel that way. I mean, certainly there's movies that I want, um, to quote unquote own, but not, I mean, I never feel like I'm really, you know, it's not mine. I mean, I'm, I mean, obviously I can watch it whenever I want. And, but I mean, look, I mean, I, there's such a thing as overkill, right? Like how many times do I have to own Raiders of the Lost Ark? I own it in every format that it's ever come out. Right, right. Right. So, so like, that doesn't make any sense logically to buy, keep buying it. Like it just keep buying it over and over and over again. Doesn't sure, make sure. any sense. I mean, I can justify it. I give you all sorts of reasons why the Blu-ray is better than the VHS, 
but the simple matter is, is that like, it's just, you know, and, um, and sure, you know, if you have the library of Star Trek for a while and then all of a sudden, you know, the CBS access network thing goes under or whatever, or, you know, you can't afford it or whatever, you lose all that. But, you know, I mean, that's, that's going to be the nature of the beast. I mean, if you lose cable, you're going to lose access to all that stuff too. Right, right. Um, you know, it's, it's, it is putting your, but you're paying for the service and the convenience more so than the content. Well, but that's, um, it's the same theory with cable though. And, and this is where I wonder where this is going to end up because I, a lot of people's big problem with cable at this point is you're paying astronomical fees for a service that you use maybe 10% of, probably less. And these streaming services, I feel like, are heading in the same direction where, you know, personally, if money were not an object, I would subscribe to CBS as streaming service because I want to watch new Star Trek. Uh, well, <laughs> in theory, I'd want to watch new Star Trek. The more they talk about it, the less I'm interested in it. Uh, uh, you know, I would love to have access to all the classic Doctor Who and not have to spend 25 bucks or whatever per story now. Uh, but we're getting to the point where you're going to be spending just as much for all these disparate streaming services as you were spending for the overpriced bloated cable in the first place. And well, that, that, that's, that's where that's, I wonder wh- when they're going to sort of have to consolidate. Well, and yeah, I mean, obviously there is going to be, I mean, look, I mean, uh, CBS is going to offer all the Star Trek, but then you can also watch it on Netflix and it's still going to air on cable and right. you know, there's still deals to be made. It's Which not once exclusive. again, I've, I've, I've shouted it out on at least one out of every three episodes of the Needless Things podcast since I discovered it. Heroes and Icons, greatest television channel of all time. Find it on your local listings. I believe it just came back to Atlanta. Yeah, it's because it, it was channel it was channel seventeen, and now it's channel two thirty two. It's still not in high def, uh, but you know that's that's not really a deal breaker for me, considering they're showing stuff from the sixties and seventies mostly. Yeah, you're not going to gain much with it being in HD, <laughs> right? Um, and, really. and it shows every Star Trek uh, Monday through Friday, which I think is absolutely wonderful. But I, I also think that, you know, I, I don't know what the overlap is going to be. I mean, how many people are going to be, you know, watching, want to watch the WWE network, want to watch the British network, or want to watch CBS Access, want to watch HBO? Like, how many of those people are there, you know? Right, right. And, and really, those people need to get outside more. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, it's, 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 and and if those people are going to get all that stuff, but there's the, it's the same thing that you were just talking about, where it's like, I pay all this money for cable. I use only 10% of it. I wish there was a system out there that where I could only pay for what I use. Oh, my right? gosh. I know. That's been, that and has that's, been my and dream. That's what, for... that's what they're offering. You know, it's like, you want uh, Doctor well, Who? It, Boom. Pay for just Doctor Who. But you it's want, not. You want, it, well, paying it is. for Doctor Who and 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 look, I have no idea what else BritBox is offering because I I don't have the wide uh, taste for British television like a lot of people do. Uh, but you know, you're you're paying seven or ten dollars a month or whatever for Doctor Who and Red Dwarf and Downton Abbey and Sherlock and you know whatever else they throw on there, and I don't care about any of the rest of that. 
Right, but then what are you going to say? Like, instead of seven, can I just pay two? Like, like well, I mean, yeah. really, like, how much lower can they bring it down? Well, that because was always really if you're going to rent something, I mean, you might as well just rent it while you watch it because that's only going to cost you a couple bucks. Well, that was my that was always my hope for the cable companies realizing that they needed to make changes. Is that and and not so much per franchise, but just per channel. Let me. Let me make an a la carte decision on what I want. Let me decide, okay, I want USA, BBC America, HBO, Showtime, you know, and, and give me a package deal that doesn't include all these bullshit channels like Travel America and Fred's Happy Golf Network and <laughs> Fish Central. I don't want that stuff. And no matter how many channels they are, the bottom line is I'm paying for Fred's Happy Fish channel. And I don't, I will never ever watch it. But even if I'm only paying three cents a month, I'm paying for it. And that drives me crazy. And it, and that's, un, and, and it's me needing to make a change in the way that I think about things. But in the same way, I'm looking at BritBox and thinking, you know, $7 a month. Well, I'm paying for Doctor Who, but I'm also paying three cents a month for Downton Abbey, and that's that's where I get annoyed. And I understand that's you know I, I just need to adjust that. But but, I, but, but I, it's like but it's like it's like it's like paying to rent uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High and go. You know, I only want to see the scene where Phoebe Cates is coming out of the pool. Can I just pay well, for that who, scene? Who doesn't feel that way. <laughs> and then the rest of it, just I don't want to watch. So. If you could just charge me like what is it like two dollars to rent it? Just charge me fifty cents, you know, <laughs> and then I can watch that scene over and over and over again, however long it takes, um, and, until I'm done. And then you know, uh, so I think you're always going to get that content. I think the real thing, and you kind of hit upon this. Uh, uh, I'm one of the times when we were watching the WWE Network. If I'm this, this is what gets me. If I'm paying. For a service, if I'm paying for any of these networks, I don't want fucking ads, oh and I certainly gosh. don't want them in the middle of my shows. Um, I, I can recall uh, being at uh, someone's house. We were watching Doctor Who, classic Doctor Who, on Hulu, and they well, broke is, it is up. Is that W H O L U? On Hulu, yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> Uh, they, yeah, you should really go into marketing. I um, wish. They, they, um, but there was like every, I don't know, six, seven minutes, ten minutes, whatever it was, they just broke into commercial. Yeah, I like, can't tolerate drink. Hulu. And, and, and it was, and I think it was a paid service. He was paying for Hulu. Um, it wasn't just the free Hulu. Well, I, I can I actually, like, if I'm paying, do not. Like, you can show commercials before and after, that's fine. Not in the middle. Maybe, not really, but it's, I mean, if I have to have commercials, then don't interrupt my show. Don't interrupt my movie. Don't interrupt my experience. I, I can actually speak to that Hulu situation because we, we have, in the, uh, Troublemaker household, we have Netflix, WWE Network, and Amazon Prime. And Amazon Prime, I almost look at it as a different thing because I'm actually paying for that for the two-day shipping uh, just for the convenience of having Amazon Prime. And the streaming is just a nice bonus. Uh, but that's what we have. But there, my wife at one of her friend's houses, they had the Hulu service. And there's a ton of stuff on Hulu that you cannot get anywhere else. 
So she signed up for Hulu. And, you know, I said, look, you know, we can get that, but as far as our bill budget, we're, we're at a max on streaming services. If you, if you want to sign up for Hulu and pay for that out of your, your business, that's totally fine. And so she did. And, uh, she was like, well, here's, here's the stuff. I was like, okay, cool. I, you know, I, I wouldn't have paid for it, but since you're getting it, I've been wanting to watch community for a long time. Uh, I've seen one episode, the G.I. Joe episode, and that was it. And I loved it, but NBC has not been very forthcoming with putting, like, you can watch 30 Rock in the Office on Netflix, but Community, for some reason, they kind of hide away behind the, the vault walls of NBC, so it's only <laughs> on Hulu. So I was very excited. I was like, oh, great. I finally get to watch Community, and I start playing it, and like five minutes into the first episode, there are two commercials. And then 12 minutes after that, there are two more commercials. And I was infuriated. And it turns out the basic level of Hulu, you have commercials just like regular-ass television, but if you pay a premium, then you get to watch everything with no commercials. And I think that's horseshit. Uh, and I, I stopped watching because I, you can't, I, you can't do anything about them. And I'm not going to sit there and watch commercials because thanks to DVRs, thanks to streaming services, I don't deal with commercials anymore. So, uh, yeah, I, that, that annoyed the crap out of me. So I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of Hulu's, uh, business model. I think it's smart for NBC because they've got these people paying for them to advertise to them. Sure. Uh, and I think that business model is part of the reason why WWE feels comfortable putting a commercial in the middle of the fucking cruiserweight championship match. Uh, but I, I don't like that model. And, and yeah. I'm afraid that just like everything else, people are just going to get used to it and go along with it. And it's going to be a standard in streaming services, you know, at some point in the future. Yeah, that's possible. But that's, that's the only thing that I, that really bugs me about it. Um, uh, obviously decisions have to be made just like anything else. But, um, I think, uh, I think streaming's here to stay and, and I'm, oh, I'm sure, okay sure. with it. I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I, look, I can't afford and I, I've, I'm a big Star Trek fan. I have the original series on Blu-ray, but that's it. And I can't, I can't afford the rest of them. Um, and I, you know, I catch them a little bit on, on cable or whatever. But if I had a service that, you know, that I could pay, a little bit a month and, and get access to the entire library and watch whatever, what Star Trek I wanted to whenever, um, that would be pretty awesome. I well, it would, you know, fortunately for you, Paramount is not going to invest in high definition restoration for anything beyond next generation. So you don't have to it worry is, about, right. uh, the rest of them coming out on Blu-ray. No, 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 I know that's, that's been made clear, but, um, <laughs> and I, and you know, I, 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 yeah, that's another topic. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think whole... that's one of your bullet points. No, yeah, it's that's, not, it's that's, not. That's, that's a shame. A, yeah, that's a whole other episode. And okay. look, if it were up to me, I'd say go ahead and do D Space Nine, then you can stop. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so is that, is that anything else about streaming services? Yeah. I nope. think that's it. I think we're good. I think that's good. I think we've, I think we've run that. Next, we're clear on where you stand. Next bullet point. What we're reading in DC's, uh, new rebirth initiative. For me, well, you know what? You start this one. How do you feel about rebirth? I think rebirth has been everything we wanted new 52 to be. (laughs) I think, 
uh, um, it, it so far so good. I mean, obviously they can ruin it at any time. Uh, but I, I do think uh, they've they've made an effort to get the right creators on the right books. Um, and uh, I definitely I think you know they're they're I'm a little bit behind on some of my reading. But I still think that, you know, uh, the bad books are outstanding. Uh, I think that it's, it's though that I still think Wonder Woman is one of my favorite runs of hers that she's ever had. Oh, wow. Um, I, I think that, um, I, I'm glad to see the Titans, the, the real Teen Titans, like my Teen Titans back into the DC proper, the DCU proper, and to be so, um, uh, treated so well. Um, I'm really looking forward to the, the, the annual where they're crossing over with the Justice League. Um, I, I'm intrigued by what they've been doing with Superman. Uh, I have, I don't read Superman, but I, I keep, uh, up to date on it through people who, who read it. Um, and, uh, like there's a lot of other books that are good too. I mean, like books that should have been good when the new 52 hit, like, as you've mentioned, and I just got the trade, so I'm looking forward to reading it too, but I read the first issue already, um, is Deathstroke. Like, that, that book needed to be solid, new 52. I had such high hopes for it. And then, well, then of course they announced who was writing it. Uh, yeah. And I was like, oh, I guess not. But then, but then they, they correct that. I mean, bringing Christopher Priest back, uh, to write a monthly book is outstanding. Phenomenal. And, yeah. And so, that that's a cool thing. Um, and, and there's just so much, you know, and they're doing it the right way. They're just, they're, they're, they're bringing the heroes back to their roots, um, in a lot of ways. Um, but also modernizing them. Um, it's, there's a balance there for the most part that I think has been pretty successful. And I don't feel like, you know, I know that, uh, Marvel gets a lot of credit for diversifying its characters I don't feel like that DC is a bunch of like, you know, white guys. I think it, I think they're, when you look at them, they're pretty diverse as well. Um, but they haven't really made a big, like, hey, look at us, you know, kind of thing about it, you know? Well, and also DC has done, one, they already had, uh, sort of a stable of legacy characters that, that established more diversity. And two, they've done it in a much more organic way. Story-driven way. Yes, as opposed to, if like, hey, look at this gay Muslim transvestite who's now Batman. Like, it, it's, it feels like, oh, this is like the real world. This person happens to be this faith or ethnicity or whatever the case may be. And is now this hero or villain or whatever. Whereas Marvel feels like they put up a, a, a uh, projection with check marks on it, and their writers were like, "Oh, I'll create a character that's that." Uh, but we're we're talking about Rebirth. We're not talking about Marvel yet. No, no. <laughs> uh, and and I will say that, and and I have a lot of respect for Scott Snyder. Uh, I like a lot of what he did as Batman, but as we've discussed before, I don't love everything he did with Batman. Uh, Tom King and James Tinian. Tinian? Does that sound okay? I, I, I would go with Tinian, but. Tinian. Interesting. Okay. I, I, again, I've never heard it said out loud. I don't think so. So. Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, Tom, uh, Tom King and James Zdarsky are, 
uh, right. Oh man, Chip Starsky on Batman. I would totally go for that. Uh, although, and I've got to say it now while I'm thinking about it, not as much as I would go for something that you and I discussed the other day, and that's Mark Wade and Chris Samney on a Batman and Robin title. <sighs> Dude. I, I, as much as I, I enjoy the Bat books, I, I'm a, you know, I grew up with Batman and Robin. And, you know, I, I like lone, you know, angst Batman stories. But to me, when you have the, 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 the balance of the Dark Knight with the Boy Wonder, there's, no matter who it is, whether it's Dick, Tim, uh, or even Damien, uh, and now Duke who I'm getting to know and like, um, I just think that those stories, you know, resonate a little bit better. And, uh, I, I, I just think it, you know, it's a great team book. Uh, and I just wish that there was a book like that. I wish there was a bad. Um, but I, I am Tom King and James Tinian. uh, I'm going to go with your pronunciation because you're smarter than I am, uh, (laughs) are producing, my favorite Batman stories I have read in years. Batman and Detective Comics are both just phenomenal. Every issue, I can't wait to read the next issue, which is good because it comes out every two weeks. <laughs> um, I love Detective for being such a strong team book that does not feel forced, that feels like a natural progression of what Batman is. It doesn't feel like, hey, we need to, we need another Bat book. What's the idea here? It feels like here's a really interesting conceit of, you know, Batman recruiting Kate as sort of his general and, you know, reforming some people, training some people further. I love Clayface in that book. Uh, I love, um, what's your orphan? What I, uh, uh, Cassie. Yep. In that book, I like what they did with, uh, everybody, every character in that book. I have just been so thrilled with everything that they've done. Uh, and then the Batman title has just, it's, it has captured the gravitas of Batman without becoming a bummer all the time. Like the, the recent Bane storyline was very heavy and very serious. I mean, Batman, you know, spoiler alert, Batman allowed Bane to just beat him in order to make his plan work. And it was mm-hmm. heavy. It was hard to watch, but it also wasn't miserable. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. No, I, it's, yeah, it's great stuff. And uh, I, I just love that book. And I also feel that all Star Batman is the best that Snyder has done. And I don't know why that is, but and, and perhaps it's because it's sort of a it's a, it's a thing that can be taken unto itself and not necessarily an ironclad part of continuity that I have to resolve in my brain. But I feel like the character refreshes that they've done. Uh, like when, uh, Killer Moth and Firefly showed up. Like, I knew who they were. They weren't mm-hmm. these weird New 52, like, <laughs> who is this? What, what is, why do they look like this now? Like, you, when you saw them, you knew who they were. They made sense. Uh, and, and this, uh, the story with Mr. Freeze, like, 
he has found a Mr. Freeze story that works. It doesn't turn him into a common criminal. It doesn't like, oh, it's Mr. Freeze robbing a bank or whatever. It makes sense within the, the modern mythology of the character. And I think that's a tough thing to do. And that Snyder is, is doing a lot of, a lot of all-star is that sort of, here's a new thing with these characters or villains or whatever that doesn't feel as forced or as, Oh, we have to, we have to redefine them. They, they fit within what we know of these characters. And I know right. you're a, you're a bigger Snyder fan than I am. How do you feel about all star right now? I think it's rocking. I like the, you know, him, it, he's telling, he's telling, I don't want to say little stories, but he's, he doesn't, it, this isn't about like, Ooh, I'm going to, you know, tell this epic tale that's going to change the face of Bat, uh, Batman, right? Right. right. It, it's more like, you know what? I'm just going to get down and tell a really good Batman and Mr. Free story. Or like, a, you know, I'm just going to tell a really good Batman Two-Face story. And I'm going to tell... And they're really... They, they move pretty fast. They're pretty... I mean, compared to all the other titles, because they come out like every two weeks, I mean, this one almost seems like it's like a long wait. But yeah. it's, it's... it's But it's still pretty... I mean, it's monthly. It's, it's monthly-ish. And, um, the fact that he's willing to put over work with a, a bunch of different artists on different uh, stories uh, gives it a different look and a different feel, so it doesn't feel stale. Um, I, I just think it's a great mix. I, I can see where you know that if he was burnt out of Batman, I could see where that would be a project. Be like, okay, this is how I can keep him fresh and interesting for me to write him. Well, and as has often happened over the course of our relationship, you have just defined. What, what I couldn't quite put into words. That is what I love about this all-star is that it's not these epic 16 issue storylines. It's not this stuff that, you know, uh, uh, Batman's world will change forever. Not everything has to be that. Not everything all, he's done a little bit of this, but not everything has to be a dark secret from Bruce Wayne's past has returned to haunt him. I am so sick. And this is not just Batman. This is every comic book. I'm so sick of the dark secret from the past story. Why? My gosh, is that? And, and I'm just saying this off the top of my head, so I, I, it may not be entirely accurate, but I feel like that is the biggest writer's crutch in comics right now is, is that dark secret from the past, and I hate it. Yeah, I think it's definitely overused. I mean, it's it's used and when it's used in the right way, I, I can enjoy it. But you know, the the the, the past stories the origin stories and suddenly you feel like, you know, Oh, but wait, there's this other part, this other angle that you, that it's like, no, no, don't like you're, you're treading on, you're treading in the path of greatness, right? You're right. You're, you're, you're actually going, you know what? I think that origin was, is lacking in something. It's like that origin has worked for 70 some years. Like move on, like just, you know, tell a new story without, you know, trying to piss on someone else's. Well, and so often that, that secret from the past stuff comes off as like, look, I know this origin, and no matter how many times you reboot it or redefine it or whatever you want to do, I know that this shit did not happen. Like, this doesn't even make sense <laughs> in the established right. history of the character. It's just, you know, just come up with new stuff. People did it for 50 years. <laughs> Why... Why is it a problem? But all right, enough old man griping. Uh, what else am I reading in Rebirth? Deathstroke, like I said, is fantastic. I thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, I find it interesting that you love this run of Wonder Woman so much. And granted, 
I didn't give it much of a chance. I got four issues in, and I did not like it. I didn't like uh, the the story format, and I understand they were trying to alternate between artists uh, with with every issue. I, I just I couldn't get into it. It it wasn't clear to me what the point of the story was. Uh, what what's going on with Wonder Woman? How how has it been good? Wonder Woman is great because, uh, um, you know, I, first of all, uh, I think Greg Rucka is perhaps, um, I won't say my favorite of all time, but one of easily up there as far as writing, uh, Wonder Woman, like the voice of Wonder Woman. He just like knows that character, I think, uh, uh, and, and he better than anybody. Like, um, so I, I actually, I don't, I'm not reading going, I don't think Diana would say that, you know, right, or I don't right. think she would do that. There's no question. You know, even if she does something unexpected, I'm kind of like, whoa, what's up with that? But I don't question, like, it seems out of character. Um, so that's first and foremost. Um, I love the idea of the the format of it's almost like getting two separate Wonder Woman books a month. Like you're getting the, the present storyline, but then you're getting Wonder Woman year one. And I think, like, I like that idea. Um, I love both artists that are assigned or that he's working with. Um, Nicholas Scott is one of my favorites uh, ever since she was working with Gail Simone on 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 Secret Six and all that. Yes, and I that I love Nicholas Scott and Secret Six is one of my favorite runs of a comic. Yeah. The other artist whose name I cannot remember is the one that I did not care for at all. Oh, really? Sharp. I like Sharps a lot. Like, yeah. I wasn't sure what it was going to be like, but then as soon as I opened that book, I was like, oh, this looks gorgeous. The yeah. the first storyline with her, and the first book, the first storyline was Diana and Cheetah, and it was a it was a kind of a new take on Cheetah, but not really, and uh, just made Cheetah relevant and interesting again. Um, I just thought it was really well done. You know, you think that Wonder Woman doesn't have, really, Wonder Woman doesn't really have a huge rogues gallery that you can point to and go, those, that's really cool. Right. Um, and so when you think of Nemesis is for, for Wonder Woman, Cheetah is always at the top, right? Yeah. And, and yet, you know, how many really good Cheetah stories can you really think of and remember? I, I can't like, name oh, that any. was. See? Because <laughs> I don't so know. I like the fact that this story gave, like, to me, this put Cheetah up, back up there where she's supposed to be. Um, and I, and I appreciated that. And, uh, um, so I, I, to be honest, I'm a little bit behind this month, so I'm not sure what's going on right now. Uh, but, and I know that Nicholas Scott's leaving the book and I'm not sure exactly how, like if the year one stuff is over, like where does that leave the book? Is it still going to be telling two different stories each, uh, each month or is it going to combine or I, I don't know. So, um, so I'm kind of curious to see how that works, but I trust Greg and, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the book's in great hands. And like I said, I mean, I've been reading Wonder Woman for decades and there's been some really horrible runs and, and this is way, this is really, this is not one of them, uh, by any stretch of the mean. This is, this is, I'm having fun reading her again. I, it's one of the, like when I get it, it's the top of my stack, or at least it has been till the last few months when I haven't been able to, to catch up. But, um, I haven't been reading like, like much of the last month or so last month. I don't think I've read anything month, like any of the books that have come out monthly just because it's been so crazy. But, um, 
I've got some time. Uh, no conventions this weekend or next. So I'm going <laughs> to sit down with a big old stack and get some uh, Oreo cookies and some milk and, and <laughs> sit on the couch and, and read some books. And get caught up. Well, that my issue with Wonder Woman was I was four issues in and still thinking to myself, what the fuck is going on? And for me... You know, four issues into a brand new comic, I shouldn't still be thinking that. But it was really only it was two issues per story, right? right? But, so, but I can see where that's that because none of the other titles are doing that. Uh, yeah, it was it was just disorienting for me, and I didn't love it. All right, well, that's enough Superman, uh, enough Wonder Woman. Uh, real quick, neither of us are reading Superman, but I'm keeping up uh, via certain websites, and I'm definitely thinking I'm going to have to go back and pick up the trades because it sounds like this story is great. Yeah, I, I'm really liking what they, how they've worked in the old, the new 52 Superman with the current one and what's going on. And then there was a guy, uh, like Clark Kent was walking around and what the story was behind that. And yeah, yeah. To, and, and with, and, and really the, the thing that's really exciting about Superman 2 is, uh, the, the, uh, Superboy, uh, um, uh, his son and, uh, and his relationship now with Damien. Uh, the Super Sons book is very fun, very exciting, very cool. Um, and it's, it's sort of like, you know, the, the, back in the day, the world's finest books were always fun to read. Well, Super Sons has that same feel. Yeah, I need, I need to pick that up. I, I didn't add it to my list, even though I, that creative team I have a lot of faith in, just because I have a budget, man. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm getting a, a lot of these things I'm getting by trade. So. Yeah. And that, that's what I think I'm going to do there. What I am picking up by the issue though is Trinity, uh, which, oh, yes. man, that first arc was fantastic. Good stuff. And that, that, that saves like, because that book exists, I'm not nearly as upset because my one thing that I really wish that was that the DCU was better about is the justice league book i just cannot ever since new 52 i've been turned off by the justice league uh, yes and and the rebirth hasn't helped it hasn't done any, i think they've 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 dialed it back a bit but it's still not the it doesn't feel like the justice league that i want to read and i love the justice league i love super friends i grew up with super friends i, I you know justice league of america even the Bwahaha years were fun but Man, I just there's something about the team now that I just you know I I just don't care for um you know and uh I, so so having a book like Trinity is is cool because that is that fills that void for me right Where, right whereas I'd be like you know um I want a Justice League book and to me the Justice League should be like the big the big guns the big seven whatever they call them you know the uh, they established or reestablished with Grant Morrison. Wow, it's what is it? Twenty years ago? My God, I'm old. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know where it's got the main guys in it. You know, I don't think you know when you put these stringers in and Batman forms a team with Lobo. It just doesn't wash with me. Like I just don't. I don't. That doesn't. That's not interesting to me. Right. Right. Yeah. I, and and I I have not. The last Justice League I read was Jeff Johns' first. New 52 story arc, which is one of the worst story arcs in a comic book I've ever read in my life. Uh, and, and I, since then, I've just got a bad taste in my mouth for Justice League. And like I said, I've got a budget. There's, there's other stuff 
that is more compelling to me. And, uh, real, I guess the last big rebirth book that I really love, and there are plenty that I want to check out because I'm aware of what's going on in them, and so many of them sound interesting. Uh, Sam Humphrey's Green Lanterns uh, is one huh, that I'm not reading that. I, I'm not either, but in, in just kind of checking in once in a while to see what's going on, I think I'm going to have to pick up the trade. I'm very interested to see what's happening in that one. It looks like it's capturing more of the Green Lantern Corps vibe, the the pre-New 52 Green Lantern Corps that I loved so much. Uh, and Well, and also Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Also, like, I, I'm interested to see what's going on over there because I've been reading good things. Uh, and then there's Cyborg, uh, written by a uh, former, ge- or I guess guest of the show, John Simper Jr., who was the showrunner for uh, the animated mm-hmm. Spider-Man series in the 90s. Yep. And he is taking Cyborg... And creating, I think, a very solid foundation for the character to finally sort of become a more mainstream, relatable book. Uh, what he's done with this book has made Cyborg feel finally like, oh, this is a guy that should have his own book. Because I've never felt that way about Cyborg before. I, I agree. I agree. I'm curious to read that. I have not picked up. Um, I, I listened to that interview you did with him, and I was like, I got to check that out. So it's one of those things where I, I haven't checked out the, the monthly book, but um, I'm waiting for the you know that trade, and I'll, I'll pick that up at some point and give that a read because uh, um, that I would like to. I like the character. I liked him when he was Titans, and I'm still. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to get over the fact that he's not a Titan anymore. He's a Justice Leaguer, so he stepped up. Um, so I have to, have to still get, I'm still, you know, holding back a little bit because of that. But, um, I've always liked the character, so I, I definitely would like to read that as well. Um, and as far as other, um, uh, rebirth stuff, I'm glad they didn't, you know, they didn't fix what wasn't broke. And I, Love, 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 Pamiani and Connor on Harley, Harley yes, Quinn. Yes. Uh, that book needs to, it was getting insane for a little while because there were like four or five books that they were coming out with a month, it felt like. And yeah, I, it was the, crazy. They I could have done overkill. without the, the Power Girl Harley Quinn. And, and there is, there are issues of Harley where I feel like this is a lot of words. <laughs> but uh you know they, the what they've done with that character is uh they just commit they it's just fun stories the yes. fun cast of characters yes. um and you know for those people who are like oh there's no fun in comics anymore they need to pick up that book because it's it it really is uh one of the funnest books out there not only by the big two but by anybody out there um it's really well done mike Uh, gordon you have to put a nickel in the grammar jar because you are a writer and you just said funnest i did well i'm a writer i'm not a speaker (laughs) (laughs) uh and and i would actually go so far as to recommend also harley's little black book because those yes are self-contained issues they're a little longer but they're self-contained stories so you can just pick up any one issue of Harley's little black book and, and you've got the whole story right there. And I yeah. that one too. For those people getting in trade or the new omnibus or whatever, that's cool. But for trying to keep up with it monthly for a while was crazy. Cause yeah. it had, she, cause she was, it was, she was coming out with a special every month. There was the monthly book. There was little black book. There was the power girl team up. And then there was gang of Harley's. 
And it was just like, this is, and, uh, yeah. and, and I give credit to Pomeranian and Connor because they were writing them all, but, uh, and the quality was there, but it was just too much. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. All right. So DC Rebirth, uh, I would say, and, and there are plenty of books that neither of us are reading and that's not because they aren't good. It's because you can only read so many comics a month. Right now <laughs> I have a stack of like 40 books upstairs that I, I'm hoping to get to this weekend yep. just to, to get caught up. So overall, I would say DC Rebirth, Rebirth has been an overwhelming success. I'm very excited for the fact that DC has, has righted the ship, man. Yeah, I'm a little uh worried about well not worried is there's talk that they're going to start getting they're feeling a little bit more confident to do crossovers now starting this year with the uh the metal crossover um the and what? uh they announced in in uh, at uh Emerald City that I think it's at Wonder City or maybe it was at WonderCon one of the two re- recent conventions yeah. that they that uh the uh the big Scott Snyder and uh Greg Capullo uh are in charge of the next DC event. So the wait, is this this isn't Dark Days? Well Dark Days leads up to it. Uh oh, I don't know if you've seen there's a there's a I hate there's, to there, hear that. I know. There's a pre there's a there's an image that says uh that's of Batman and he's holding some uh very uh um Barbarian looking like blades, um, and he's got blood dripping down his mouth, and I'm like, what's he been eating? Um, <laughs> but, uh, and it just says Batman, and it says metal. And, uh, uh. my, my understanding is that this has to do with nth metal, um, and that, uh, I, I don't, I don't know any more than that. Um, I, so, um, I trust Scott. I trust him more than you do. So we'll see how that goes. Sure. Um, the only thing I will say this: the only thing I've read by Scott Snyder throughout his entire career that I've read and I've been like, eh, I didn't really care for that was his run Superman Unchained. Everything else I've I've really liked. I, I've gone from that's pretty good to wow, that's awesome. Uh, Superman Unchained, I was like, eh, that wasn't really good, Scott. Um, so, uh, but everything else, so I have a lot more confidence in him uh, than any, than maybe anybody else out there. But um, I am concerned with them starting to do these these big crossover things, just because. Uh, and we know that this Watchmen thing is coming, right? Right. So, right. So um I think we've got a book coming out with Batman and the Flash called The Button, you know, which is going to talk a, a little bit more about which, Has uh, there what's ever going been on. a more exciting name for a storyline? <laughs> I know The Button. Like yeah, really. Button Button, who's got the button, right? Uh <laughs> um so um but you know, we'll see how it goes. I um I'm in, I'm enjoying things right now, so uh, I'm hoping that they're just going to like I said, don't fix what's not broke. I don't mind events when there are things along the lines of here is a central event book, like a separate title that is the main book of the event. And then if you want to do like, and, and it looks like this is sort of what Dark Days might be, like Batman, Dark Days, Wonder Woman, Dark Days, and they don't tie into the regular ongoing titles I don't mind that stuff at all. I find that right. exciting. I find that fun. I find it different. That's cool. I don't like the stuff 
where there's a central book and then all of the regular monthly titles that you're picking up tie into this event and it derails the narrative of every book in the freaking you know publisher's offerings. Uh, I hate that. That's what makes me angry, which is what Marvel does ad nauseum. Uh, but that's probably enough talk about Rebirth. We'll, we'll stop while we're still happy with it. Exactly, right? And uh, let's move on. We've got two more bullet points I want to get to before we wrap this thing up. And the first one is the social media problems of Marvel Comics and WWE, which aren't, <laughs> in a way, are related. Uh, I think this is my personal opinion. Uh, the listeners may not agree. Mike Gordon may not agree. I think that Disney slash Marvel slash whatever needs to clamp down on their creators' uh, social media. I think that you have these shockingly immature, socially inept people who are ruining your sales because they don't know how to behave as representatives of the product that they create. Now, if, and I'm just going to throw a name out there. I don't know that this person has misbehaved particularly badly, and I don't want to suggest that they have. But let's just say you have a top talent writer like, oh, say Nick Spencer, who is putting together one of your huge events and who writes a couple of your books with your top characters in them. And I'm not going to speak to sales because I don't really know anything about that. But let's say this Nick Spencer fella gets on social media and starts talking uh, in a very confrontational and harassing manner about certain beliefs that he has. Now, whether or not you agree with his beliefs, he's alienating 50% of your potential customers. And I say customers, not fans, because customers means these are people that have money that they want to spend on your product. But 50% of your customers may not agree with the things that your top talent is saying. You're losing sales, bottom line. And even if it's only a hundred bucks a month, shouldn't you be worried about that? Uh, and I think if these creators want to go beyond simply promoting product and interacting in a positive manner with fans on social media, then they need to have separate accounts in which to espouse their political beliefs or whatever the case may be. And along the same lines with WWE, I think if your characters want to have social media accounts that go beyond pushing storylines and character concepts to fans, then those need to be separate accounts. If Bailey and Sasha want to take pictures together, or Bailey and uh, Charlotte, who are who are currently uh, opposing each other in storylines, if they want to take pictures together, there needs to be somewhere besides their official WWE accounts for that to happen. Now, I know this is, you know, maybe I'm a little too taking all this a little too seriously, but I feel like these are real issues. Mike Gordon, how do you feel about all this? I do not. Well, I get really nervous when someone starts saying, I think creators should be restricted. Well, here's um, the thing, though. Real, and, let me throw this out real quick, and then I promise I, I'll let you talk. Yeah. 
I work for a company. Uh, I'm not going to name that company. But if I went on social media and one started saying inflammatory things to customers of my company and two started, God forbid, saying bad things about my company, I would be fired. Period. I am an employee of that company. Now, if I want to start my own business, I can do whatever I want. But as long as I'm an employee of the company that I work for, I need to mind my fucking P's and Q's. Because my main concern is the check that they send me for the work that I do every two weeks. And I feel like the creators that work for Marvel should be held, maybe not to the same standard I am, but to some kind of standard. And I understand what you're saying. All right, I'll shut up. Please continue. Well, okay, there's so much there. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Lots um, to unpack. Yeah. Um, All right, so like I said, I get really nervous when anybody starts talking about, you know, creators should be restricted in any way, form. Now, I get it. You know, they're working for companies that are paying them and their jobs, et cetera, et cetera. I get that. Um, and um, I would suggest that um, if there is – that's where, you know, you really need to have strong leadership within the company, especially editorial-wise, right? Um, because if someone does seem to be um, – you know, a talent does seem to be – uh, doing things that are not not productive to the company, not in the company's interests, then someone editorial needs to come in and say, you know what, we would appreciate it if you didn't do this, or maybe there's a better way you could do this, or et cetera, et cetera, right? Work with them on on social media skills, etiquette, that kind of thing. Because, look, I mean, you know, we both work for companies, but, you know, um, I, I think you know, we're recording this and, you know, if our company didn't like anything that we were saying here, that, that would not go over well with us. Right. Um, now if we were doing, if we were recording this on company time, on the company's computers, using the company's social media, that would be different. And that's, this is where it really gets kind of, you know, um, it's apples. You're comparing apples to oranges really, because, uh, what I do, and I believe what you do as well, we do in the confines of our work, go home, nobody gives a crap what we say, what we do outside of work hours, right? As long as we don't go around and be a serial killer. Sure. <laughs> you know, we can do pretty much what we want, and then, you know, it doesn't come back uh, to haunt the company. Whereas when you do something in the creative arts, it's very public, and you become a, a celebrity of sorts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it can be a uh, so, and once you're once you're a celebrity, you have no privacy. You whatever you say can be used against you uh, in the court of the the public, um, and and that's very dangerous. Um, and some people don't because of because being in the comics sometimes doesn't feel like, you know, a real world celebrity, like TMZ style celebrity. Right. Um, some, some creators don't 
understand that. And also because um, there's no training that people go through for social media skills. Well, and social media is still very new. Yeah. And people are still getting a handle on it. Right. So I, I, you know, I don't. And plus the other side of that, the flip side of that is there are, you could make the case that some people, some artists out there, some creators that are saying things, whether it's their political views, social political views, social views, whatever, um, are actually gaining readers sure. that would never look at that book. Um, and they're actually getting attention. Uh, and they're adding to sales rather than subtracting. So, um, you know, it's a case by case basis. I can't, I can't speak for general rules. And like I said, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't be in favor if I heard that, you know, DC or or Marvel or any major company was saying, you know, you can't, you can't, uh, speak online about what you want to do. Well, and that's, that's not what I'm suggesting. What I'm saying is you don't need to be talking politics on the same account that you're trying to promote the new Batman book. Well, that's the thing. They, there is no separation. Like the like Scott Snyder, if he said like you know if he wanted to say you know um, Trump's an asshat, right? Like he's saying it on his own like account. You know he, he's not saying it on DC's account, right? Um, so really, he has the freedom to do that. It, just like I have the freedom to say it on my account. Just like Joe the plumber has the freedom to say it on his account. So I don't. You know, now is it in his best interest to do so? That's a topic that he needs to talk with, you know, and 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 think about before he does. And and that should be the case, you know, thinking before typing is something that we like a lot of people should do. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of renegade artists out there that that depend like their their whole fan uh interaction is what brings them to the dance that's why they have readers you know um uh so it's it it's not as i don't think it's as simple as that and also i i also believe now that um that that as far as the wwe goes um i think kayfabe outside of the network is pretty much dead and and i and i don't See, I don't think you can put that genie back in the bottle. I think they're still trying to figure out a way to to handle it because of the years and years of history they've had, you know, hiding the fact that it was uh, not real. You know what I mean? Um, so I, 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 you know, it's it's kind of it's a new era, and you know, it's interesting because. I do feel it too, you know, and, and I'm not saying that I don't feel it. like if I, if I scroll in the other day and I saw a picture of, and I see pictures all, cause they're really good friends. I see pictures all the time of Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. Right. And they're just palling around, you know, uh, eating and dancing and doing their thing. And I'm like, in, in the, in the, in the TV realm, in the wrestling ring realm, in the WWE realm, you guys hate each other. And yet, you know, I'm I'm scrolling through Instagram and I see pictures where you're not, you know, you're palling around. Now, obviously, 
I can still suspend my disbelief. So when it's time for them to wrestle I, and, and, and interact together, as long as the program's strong, I can forget all that. Just well, like I can forget the fact that, you know, like, like, um, you know, Tom Cruise like, isn't actually an archaeologist or whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, when I see, when I see the cast of Gotham palling around together, I don't think, oh my God, they're supposed to hate each other. But right? that's a different and, and, thing. Well, because... and here's the thing. I also don't feel that way with Lucha Underground. When I see, and Lucha Underground's wrestling, but see, they managed to be a little bit smarter about it and create this atmosphere where there's a separation. So when I see Jim, John Morrison, Jim Morrison, whatever he's calling himself, right? Johnny Mundo. When I see him palling around with, you know, Prince Puma, I'm like, I'm like not, I don't feel like, oh my God, they shouldn't be doing that. You know, I feel like, oh, okay, well, they're just on the road and at a convention together. Um, because, because I think Lucha Underground sets up an environment like, like Gotham does. Right. So it's right. a fictional universe. And I think that's, that's where the WWE really needs to be stronger. Like their product that they're putting together they need to create more of a bubble and an atmosphere where it feels it doesn't feel as <laughs> it doesn't feel as real world well you know they're, what I mean? they're prom- they are currently promoting fake fights between real people <laughs> and i think they need to facilitate the audience's suspension of disbelief as much as as reasonable and i'm not saying that the, obviously the old days of kayfabe will never come back because we're talking about that died, you know, probably in the eighties sometime. Uh, but you I know, think it was later than that though. Let's try to pre- well, the nineties was was for sure the the last bullet in the head. But uh, you know, let's try to maintain some semblance of. Uh, you know, these Well, here, here's the thing. Okay, so I'll give you this. All right. So when I'm think when I'm going through Instagram and I see that, you know, Charlotte and 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 Bailey and Bailey or well, let's say Charlotte and Bailey, right? I see that they're palling around together, right? They should be they're, they're fighting uh in the in the storylines, but here they are palling around together, they're like Ken and Elevant or whatever, you know? And I'm like, Oh, that's cute. Now if if it's on their account that's one thing. But if the WWE account retweets that, then that's where I'm like, you know what? You really should be more story driven with yeah. this. Like, I, I get that, you know? Um, but I, I do think that the WWE in particular, because really they're the only ones, they're the biggest game that, that are dealing with this. But I think they've had a huge, a huge, huge challenge to try to figure out how to tell stories with people who, uh, with fans that uh, know way too much about what's going on behind the scenes. Right, right. Um, and 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 they they're not helping themselves in a lot of ways, but they're really yeah they're struggling with it. And I don't know what the answer is. I, I can't see a complete shutdown at this point. But yet, by the same token, I, I don't think they should be as liberal with it as they they are. Yeah, that, well, and that's the thing is that there is a middle ground somewhere to where you're still protecting the product, but you're also effectively promoting it on these new 
technological venues that that are represented by social media. Like I saw, um, you know, uh, I, in a way it's refreshing. In another way, it's like I, I wish I it wasn't the case. I mean, it, I'm torn by it too. I mean, after Raw on Monday, uh, I watched uh, Talking Raw or Raw Talk or whatever it's called, and right away um, Goldberg came out and and cut a shoot. Right, like he just came out and said, you know, like all this stuff about. And he even said this is not scripted. This right. is just speaking for the yeah, heart. Yeah, and see, I, I, that's. Uh, well, and, that, that's and, a whole other episode. Is is how scripted WWE should be in the first place? Right, 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 right. But um, but the point is that you know he came out and did that, and it was right there, right afterwards. Now it wasn't part of Raw, right? But it was kind of part of Raw. I mean, Raw Talk is still their product, so you know, right there, you know, it it's tough. I mean, you know, I mean, in some ways. TV's doing it too. I mean, you watch The Walking Dead and then you watch Talking Dead and you've got the actors right there talking about what they just did and they're not in character and all that kind of stuff. Well, so, but that's for wrestling is a different animal and, and, you know, we can't get too deep into this now, but I see what you're saying, but I, I do think that it isn't as different as it, it will be. I think I well, and that's probably, I think we're in the transition of it being going from really different to it's not so different. And that's that's probably where my resistance to all of this lies. Once again it comes back to the fact that I'm an old man yelling at clouds. But but you're not wrong. I mean they sent they and it causes them problems because they're they film like unlike Lucha Underground which can control their audience. Mm-hmm. The the WWE can't uh, they're, 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 they're filming live in front of a bunch of people and they don't know what they're going to do. And they're, these people have a mixture of storylines and behind the scenes stuff. by five minutes of fuck you Roman chants on basic camera. Uh, man, I, I, uh, I gotta, I gotta, I, I got it. That was an amazing moment. Yeah, uh, amazing yeah. opening to Raw. And you know what? I'm, I, I, you know, on one note, uh, I, even though I, I, didn't care for the way that the match went the night before. I got it handed it to Roman for that for his that opening of Raw. No, it was I think he I think he did it. That's one of the best things he's ever done. I have no idea how they're going to follow it up. Uh, I do not think that turning him into a traditional heel at this point is the right answer. But I also think I know he has it's to the- carry a different attitude than what he has previously had, and what he did Monday was that attitude. Yes, yes. I, I recently, if you haven't listened to his uh, interview with uh, Jericho. I've got uh, it downloaded. I have not heard it yeah, yet. Yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. And he talks, well, obviously it's before WrestleMania. Right, right. But he talks about kind of his attitude about what his character is. And once you get that, you're kind of like, okay, the WWE could do a little bit more to, to show this guy, this, right, this character. Right. But I, I see where he's at and I hope he gets there. Yeah, I, I do too. And that's the thing is like, as much as I haven't been happy with basically anything that they've done with Roman, I want Roman Reigns to be awesome because I want everyone in WWE to be awesome because I don't want any of the time I spend watching it to be me thinking, well, this sucks. Yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. And, and we are, you know, like it or not, we're stuck with Roman for the long haul. He's going to be around for the next, you know, 10, 15 years at least as, <laughs> as a big factor in WWE. So, 
you know, let, let's WWE do something to get us on board with the guy. And I think this was, uh, you know, be, the match being what it was, the aura around the match has been perfection. Well, and I think, uh, I think this will probably lead up to one of your last bullet points, right? Oh, uh, well, um, we're, we're, we're zeroing in very quickly on the final bullet point. <laughs> right, right. Um, um, and, uh, so, um, I, I think the, the Undertaker had a decision to make. You know, if this is his last match, what is he going to do? Right. Now, I don't know all the behind the scenes stuff, so I can only project what what I saw happen over the course of the last few months. Mm. I don't think he thought he was going to I don't think he was thought he was this close to retirement. You don't come out on SmackDown and say, I'm back and it's not all about WrestleMania to me. And then. Yeah, right, right. Right. So I think he had every intention to be back. But somehow between that and the Royal Rumble, he just realized his body couldn't couldn't go anymore. Mm. So one last match, they rushed together this program between him and Roman because that's who he decides his last match is going to be. He's going to lay down for somebody. He's going to be on his back for somebody, which is, you know, I mean, that's the way to go, right? Yeah, that's, um, that's how you go out when you're a professional. Right. And, and you know, while he could have picked other opponents, maybe even, you know, we'll say better opponents, uh, what bigger challenge is there in the company right now than to try to put Roman Reigns over, right? Yeah. So I give him all the credit in the world for accepting that challenge. I agree. Um, now, the actual match, it, it neither one of them were up to the challenge. Well, uh, I, I have put, and th- this is my own sort of headcanon, but I think it works to an extent. Uh, in that match, there are two outright botched spots that don't fit into any narrative I want to create because that's all they are is botched spots. It's the, uh, they were, and the, they're the ugliest, the, spots. the tombstone reversal and yep. the flub Superman punch. The, oh, I was thinking about the, uh, see to me, the one that stands out to me is when, uh, taker tried to, um, what is it? The, the last ride. The, yeah. Submit okay, him and, one, and, and Roman tried to lift it and he just couldn't like, I'm like, I was like, this is just awful. Well, uh, the, the narrative in my head is <laughs> basically that this is Undertaker's version of Logan. He's, <laughs> I, I get you. I get he's you. He's falling apart. He can't do it anymore. He, the, the, for me, the most powerful moment in the whole match, and I still, I've watched it three times now. Uh, which is really tough with the parts that don't work, but with everything else, when he tries to go for the sit-up and falls over on his side, I do not know if that's real or not. Yeah, he's that's it, really well done. It looks to me like he really wanted to do the sit-up and could not. Like his body would not let him, and I, like I said, I've watched it three times, and I don't know if that's that's real or fake, or but well, Mark's, real or Mark's, you know what I mean. Mark, yeah, right. But Mark's good enough that you won't be able to. Tell. Yes, well, you could watch it a hundred times. There are other moments in the match where it's very clearly his body has given up on him. But there, the yes. the story yeah. of that match to me is that he has come out, and he's the old warrior that just can't do it anymore. And to me. 
if you look at the history of Undertaker, that narrative is much more powerful than if he had gone out on top riding off into the sunset. Because I don't think the Undertaker we've gotten to know over the past 20 years would have wanted to go out triumphant. I think the only reason this Undertaker leaves is because he can't do it anymore. Right. And I think if they had had time, like three months in advance to put this program together in a, in a better way. And if they had, you know, watched and learned from Logan, (laughs) that it could have been, it could have been one for the ages. Yes. You know, I think a lot of people are thinking, oh, it should have been, they were trying to do a, you know, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair moment. No, no, that's not what this, this is. No, it's not. This is different. This is, you're right. This is akin to, uh, Logan. This is akin to like, you know, a a samurai, you know, warrior, uh, the last battle of a samurai warrior. Who's fighting until he's dead. He doesn't retire. He doesn't like, this is the end. It's everything has left him. Yes. And, and, you know, um, and I, that's a great story. And, and I, you know, I feel like they rushed it and they, they, in the end they couldn't do it. And that's, it's too bad, but I, I see the, I can see where they, what they tried to do and that, that I'm impressed by, but I just wish it, they delivered. Well, and it, but the important thing is, yes, the match had its failures, but the aura of the match is a success. The follow-up is a success. And oh. as as the years go by, the story is not going to be, oh, there were these botched spots in the match. The story will be the Great Warrior finally fell. And if this is where the, the, the WWE and Roman now, if they didn't before, they they now have a, a huge incentive to get their shit together. Yes. Because, because one of the greatest guys, one of the greatest talents, one of the greatest human beings that's ever been in this business, like, put you over. Like, chose you to put over. Well, there's you some, op- there's some debate about that. Well, okay, but still, put you over. That's, that's in the history books. Well, regardless of like, you know, whose idea it was. Yes. It's now in the history books that this happened. You owe it to yourself to make sure that that legacy is not stained. That that, what, that effort that he put in is, is resolved. Like is, is, is actually, and is respected and upheld. Thank yes. you. Yes. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Yes. Because in like Roman, and I think the start was there. I do think that, you know, Roman did the right thing on Monday. We'll see what they do with him after this. Right. But, um, but yeah, he's going to have to put up with some, some real big heat for a long time. But, but see, at this point, I think for the first time in a long time, it's the right kind of heat. And yeah, people were saying, go I think it's away. half and half. I think it's, it's half and half. I think, He's not right. I mean, listen, look at all the heat that Brock got after he beat the taker. Right. Right. And, and you can hear some of that on Monday. Yes. There's still some of the other of it. it, It's, it's mixed, right? And if the match had been better, I think the balance would be even better. I I agree. That same night on Monday, not only, I mean, Kurt came out to chance of you suck. And I can remember a day when they meant it. 
<laughs> yeah, but but that was embraced long ago. I mean, Kurt came out on SmackDown after right. one of his injuries, and and you know that the you suck has been a term of endearment for him. Right. Absolutely, and that's the that's the thing. That's the thing that we should all remember is that the chance that Roman's getting right now can turn into that as well. Yes, it's just going to take like, but they they owe it to Mark's work to make sure that that happens. Absolutely. All right, final bullet point, Mike Gordon. Where can we find you online, and what are you up to? <laughs> well, as I said, I'm going to be at uh, Free Comic Book Day uh, in the first Saturday in May, so I'll be at the Buford store there. Um, I will be at some various other conventions. You can go to my website, uh, newlegendmike.com, or check me out on social media to find out where I'll be. Because um, uh, not a lot of comic conventions, unfortunately, scheduled, but I do have some appearances that I do with the um, ESO, the podcast that I do, which you can go to esopodcast.com to listen to me rant and rave all the all the time, every week, actually. So um, I don't know why anybody would listen to that, but, you know, it's the option is there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for coming on, talking about a bunch of random news points. Uh, I think we covered some good ground, and uh, I will talk to you again sooner than later, sir. Well, thank you, sir. It's always a pleasure to be in the Phantom's Lair. Oh, yeah. Hooray for Mike Gordon. My original final bullet point had been Undertaker as in his career and not just that last match, which is what Mike and I talked about. But as we were talking, I decided I would much rather do a full episode and get some more folks on board. As a matter of fact, I kind of might want to do something along the lines of the Beastie Boys episode that I did and have just a number of people that I talk to or that call in or whatever the case may be to sort of share their memories of Undertaker. So we'll we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that plays out. I'll try and do that in the, the upcoming months here uh, next week. It is time for a new needless commentary with our very special guest, Mr. Bo Brown. You'll have to wait and see which movie he selected. It's It's going to be a good one because some people love it, and some people don't. So it's going to be an entertaining episode. Please spread the word about Needless Things, the podcast, and the site. And check me out at Hulanta, currently on the schedule for Friday night at 9 o'clock with the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show show. And Saturday at midnight, or Sunday at midnight, depending on how you're looking at it, I guess, with a Toy Stories panel. So go to... The, well, just Google Hulanta. It's not like a lot of other things are going to come up. And, uh, of course, go to the Amazon link on the site. Check it out. It is now 1.30 Friday morning. I'm very, very tired. I thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Please join the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group. Tell us what you thought. And uh, I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things Podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vic's employee. And of course, it's at needlessthingssite.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.